Salsa Music Stream. And now, your hosts, Scott, Jana, and Nine. You wanted the dirt on Tulsa. You got it. Welcome to episode 83 of Tulsa Music Stream. We're so glad to have you guys with us tonight. My name is Jana. This is Scott. Hey. We already have Mick Sweda. Sweda, is it pronounced Sweda or Sweda? Sweda. Okay. Okay. Mick Sweda. We're going to get that right from the get-go. I've heard it pronounced both ways, so we wanted to clarify that with you. He's waiting in the wings for us on our Zoom call. Uh, We want to thank you guys again for being here tonight. Make sure you share the stream. Uh, we are available on many platforms. If you guys, uh, if you guys want to watch on YouTube, you can certainly do that. Let's put this up on the screen. Yeah, available on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. All platforms can be seen the live uh, video. And if you guys are into audio only, we also upload the audio after the episode concludes onto your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. And Mick is on, he's not only on time, he's early, which is amazing for for a musician to be early. We always just marvel at that. So thank you so much for being prompt and on time tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. As As the years progress, you tend to not like be so cavalier about being late in the old days, like, you know, passionately late. That was my thing, man. So I, trust me, I'm, I'm trying to make up for all those, uh, decisions hey i totally get it i know yeah we find ourselves showing up 30 minutes early to things and sometimes people get kind of irritated about that but uh, (laughs) better early than late so we really appreciate you being here before we get into your history which i know you have talked extensively about on uh, many other interviews i want to catch up with you and see what's going on with the hot summers first of all let's put some stuff up on the screen Um, you guys released a really great album last year uh, and you guys can pick up the album on the hot summers, the hot summers.com. Correct. That's correct. Okay. That is still available. So tell us, I know that you have said that, uh, it's you and Shane Tasser, and that was kind of the nucleus of the project. Have you guys solidified a rhythm section for this project? Yeah, we have. We're actually just getting into rehearsals now and, uh, hopefully we'll come up with some dates here coming up, uh, over the summer. Right. So that was, that was going to be my next question. If you guys had plans to get out there and do some shows in these warm uh, months, sounds like you're working on yeah, that. Yeah, we do it. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, we're going to start rehearsals shortly. And uh, sometime after that, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to get out there. We've been uh, concentrating on other things at this point, but uh, we're, you know, diving into rehearsals, like I said. Can you tell us a little bit about how the project came together? How did you meet Shane? I know you had a vision uh, when, when you started this project, and actually this has been in the works for several years. You wanted to create music that people just want to blast in their cars, like on those uh, hot summer days. I think you guys definitely achieved that. The stuff, Shane, sounds so good. Yeah, It's such well-written material. Um, talk a little bit about just how things came together, the writing process, and, and uh, if your vision came to fruition on the album. Well, thank you very much. Those are awfully nice things for you to say, and I, I sure appreciate it. We, sure. uh, Yeah, we did put a lot of hard work into it, and it all, all started actually with uh, myself and Jimmy DeAnda, who was the drummer in Bullet Boys. Yeah, We, uh, we got together and started throwing some ideas around and, and finally got to a point where 
we didn't have a voice for those ideas. And oddly enough, that's an important component. So uh, we just threw an ad out there and Shane was one of the first guys to come along and uh, we hit it off right away. It was actually pretty amazing. It was, uh, I suppose you'd say, uh, uh, fortuitous. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just, we had a lot in common and uh, got along really well and and, uh, we could relate and, and even write uh writing was it was so much easier than it, it had been in the past and it, yeah. it was fun again right. and I, I really enjoyed that so um we progressed along for a little bit and then jimmy decided he wanted to move on and, and do his own thing yeah so uh shane and i were left with uh quite a bit of material and by the time we started uh actually pulling together some of the recordings some of which were you know much older and and uh uh we finally had to say look we we can't we kept coming up with songs mm-hmm. and we finally had to say okay that's it let's just stop here and get this record done and uh luckily enough it was cohesive we uh you know were able to uh sort of trans transpose all the the older recordings and the different right. studios and everything and and I, I think we did a good job of making it sound cohesive and uh Again, thank you for the compliments on the record. We uh, we're actually very proud of it. You should be. So I take it. So if if you get to go do some shows, are you guys already talking about another album? Are you are you currently working on that, or is it a little early in the game to be thinking that far ahead? Those words have been spoken. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're, uh, I know. I'm pretty restless. I I uh, you know have been working on some other material for like what I consider to be a post rock venture. Um, so I, I just like to keep moving, but Shane and I have, uh, in fact, I just sent him a, a track the other day to listen to. And so, yeah, that process has, has started and, and we're really looking forward to it as well. But we, you know, we love this record and we'd love to see it, uh, see it through to its finale. Sure. Whatever, awesome. whatever that is. You seem to always have a uh, great vocalist always around you at all times. Yeah. It's like a yeah, thank you. I've been <laughs> I've been very fortunate, and I I understand the process. In my early days, I had I was the singer by default in my you know beginning <laughs> bands, right. so I I know what it takes and how hard it is. And I've had a lot of respect for the guys that I've been fortunate enough to play with. Now, um, you came from I believe was it New York to L.A. or was it well, Canada? Yeah, you're right, Western New York, but. Just a stone's throw from Canada. I, I have a great fondness for Canada, actually. Right. Now, before we get too deep into the music talk, I have to ask this because Scott told me and I got real excited. You're a former hockey player. Is that right? Uh, I continue to play hockey, although some people would disagree that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, and then I promise the people in the chat will get to music talk. Who's your pick uh, for the Stanley Cup? I, I guess Vegas is probably going to take it, huh? I had a feeling I'd get this question. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have any skin in this game, but uh, I I like the Panthers. In fact, yeah. you know, they took the spot of my beloved Buffalo Sabres, who I right. think missed out by two points. Right. So I when I watched the the Panthers, I keep picturing the Sabres in that same position, although mm-hmm. obviously because they won the President's Trophy last year, I mean, they're they're a great team. For sure. And they certainly deserve to be where they're at. Right. Um, so, all that said, I, I hope the Panthers can 
tie it up and yeah. make yeah. a, a nice make it a game series. seven of it. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, back to music. Sorry. So, so you, when you went to L.A., um, what was the scene like when you got there? Were you intimidated? Was it uh, something that you didn't expect or something more? Um, that's a great question. I, I think I started out on the fringes of the scene, so I didn't really know what the scene was, but I jumped right into to bands. In fact, uh, one of the first bands I joined was a guy who had been with, and I'm I'm dating myself, obviously, although he was much older than me even. He was playing with, uh, I think his name is Arthur Lee. He did that song, Fire. Yeah. 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 Um, He had come from that band. So we were in costumes and and, uh, masks, and it was like a crazy, crazy band. But I'm used to that because I've done that before, too. So I started there and ultimately ended up working in a cover band for quite a while until I finally quit and dove into playing original music. Yeah, and and a cover band almost pulled you back east, but you ended up staying staying out in California. And of course, that led to your stint with King Cobra. I know you mentioned before that when it came to the first King Cobra album, you felt like a, a guest musician because a lot of the material had already been written. But then, as you guys got into the second album, the label started applying a lot of pressure on you guys to create hits you know something marketable i guess in their eyes and you you commented that was kind of what was in your wheelhouse would you attribute that is is do you prefer writing that kind of material kind of the power pop stuff as opposed to like the the edgier stuff that we heard later on with bullet boys do you prefer that or is it just something you're really good at uh well that's a great question i i think it just naturally comes from my my upbringing which is based in you know those 60s bubblegum records and and uh that that's kind of where my heart is like i'll i'll pop on the 60s channel and and just go back in time i loved it you know with tom jones and tommy Rowe, a lot of toms back then right um so i i think that is just something that was it's almost innate now because i i grew up on it i, I mm-hmm. was basically born into it um but then obviously i got into heavier stuff like emerson and palmer and iron butterfly again i'm dating but you know that was my those are my early teen years sure and yeah. so when so i i kind of stuck with the power pop sensibilities all the way up really until king cobra and and to my mind you may disagree but a lot of that first record is power pop, although it might not have the same kind of energy or mm-hmm. the same kind of delivery. Um, a lot of those are pop songs, you know, a lot of them are. And so when it came to making the second record, I thought, okay, cool. That's, this could be a comfortable vibe for me. And, and I have more control and more say in what's happening. And uh, unfortunately, the record just died. Although yeah. it's kind of funny when people bring up Home Street Home every once in a while. I I wrote that on kind of a whim and it ended up, you know, on the record to my surprise. Yeah. Uh, but, but every once in a while, somebody will bring that up and it's like, wow, you remember that? You know, you guys, I, I own the album. Um, when you first guys came out, I was, I was a big fan. And I was also a big fan of a band called Icon. And it, you guys kind of had a lot of similarities as far as you had a great singer he had the dual guitar solos kind of going on, and um, and you guys came out with a heavy record, 
and then you guys kind of went more AOR, um, you know, more of a, uh, I guess, commercial, commercial pop sound yeah. to it. And, and, and then the singer, you know, then the singer left, you know, icon, he's, he left <laughs> and then Mark free left. And, and I always, yeah. you guys were like two of my favorite bands, you know, you guys weren't, weren't like one of the huge bands, but I always loved those types of bands that were just kind of on the cuff of making it huge, you know, and, and yeah. with having those two, you know, the, a great singer like that, you know, was that had to be like, hey, man, we got to get something, you know, popular with this guy. You know, he's got that got that tone. He's got that voice. And, you know, of course, you talked about Motley Crue and, you know, you guys used that song, um, Raise Your Hands to Rock, which well, I guess he took that title from Carmine you know yeah. nikki or whatever and there was a, a lot of publicity about that and then you guys went ahead and used the same title on the second album which uh was pretty cool but i always thought of you guys you and icon as kind of like went almost the same paths and it was almost in the same same uh years as well well did you know that dave played with those guys when i they did Name, yeah. Yeah, he so, played at Rock, Oklahoma, and, and we got to catch that. And I actually talked to Dave. Uh, so I was a big yeah. fan. I followed you guys, and and uh, when you guys first came out, and and um, I always was uh, always wanted to know. And and I guess you did work at Tower Records there in L.A. And that was part of my L.A. question. I didn't get to, but you did, yeah. you worked at at Tower Records. Was that prior to King uh, King Cobra or during King Cobra? Yeah, it was actually prior. I. Uh... I was working there and, and Carmine's manager came in and, and at the time, I guess they hadn't found Johnny Rod. So he said, are you a bass player by any chance? Wow. I told him I was a guitar player and, and uh, you know, we just went our separate ways and I never thought anything about it until uh, Carmine just came into the store and came right up to me and he said, hey man, now we need a guitar player now. Are you, uh, you willing to dye your hair? <laughs> okay. Wow. Why not? Yeah, did a lot. Did the reverse Motley, you know, the the three the the blondes and the and the dark headed guy in the back. But um, yeah. it was, I thought it was cool. You know, it was different. That's all, well, it's always been kind of cringe to me. Like, oh my God, Carmine really is. I mean, that just sounds so uh, disingenuous. But oh well. I mean, that's that was his idea, and it, it ended up working. And yeah, I didn't have to have pink in my hair for too long. <laughs> <laughs> now you you met more than just Carmine at Tower Records. Uh, you I also met Michael Jackson. Is that correct? Yeah, that was pretty wild. They uh, he came in right as the store closed, uh, which makes a lot of sense, I guess. And it was the funny part to me was that he came over to the cassette section where I was, and he came right out. I was the only person there. He came right up to me and he said, "So, uh, what's good right now?" And not. <laughs> not even thinking like he probably wants to you know know something that he could appreciate mm. i said oh man you got to get the new scorpions it's freaking <laughs> brilliant like michael jackson's gonna buy a scorpions album but, but you know what really he probably enjoyed it wasn't it <laughs> he, I mean, he, he appreciated some of the harder and heavier elements of things i think well that's good i didn't know it at the time that's yeah cool. yeah I'm, sh I'm sure he appreciated that that's i cool. also met uh in fact speaking of the scorpions i saw rudolph standing outside and i'm not the guy to go up and and introduce myself that's not really my thing i've done it a couple of times but i i did that with rudolph he's standing on the street corner of sunset and you know he's in his he looks like he's ready to go on stage so i just went wow. up and i said rudolph man new album is freaking great you know like oh thank you mate uh -huh. that's too cool you know um i never knew this until i started doing some research on you that that kick axe actually were the writers of, of the song H hunger 
Yeah, that I think was a uh, Spencer Proffer uh, yeah. idea because I think obviously, I mean, Spencer is, is really good at, at retaining publishing. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he had 100% of that song. Um, so obviously that's why he was hoping to have a, a huge hit with it mm. on our backs. Sure. Which, you know, that's the music business. In fact, he had another song on, they put another Kickback song on, on that record too. I can't mm. think of the name of it right now, but that's the way it goes, man. Somebody gets a hold of something and they just want to want you to keep recording it over and over. Carmine did the same thing with uh, uh, later on with Paul and Gene from Kiss. You know, right. he got a couple of their songs and they're all too happy to have their songs recorded, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. I mean, you also worked with a Dwayne Barron and that guy like went and did a bunch of cool stuff with Ozzy, Kicks, uh, L.A. Guns and you know, you guys worked yeah, with a lot, some, lot of cool people. Yeah, but he was he was really fun to work with. I do remember that. Okay. So let's fast forward. So so you get out of King Cobra and you decide to start Bullet Boys and and anyone who kind of knows the history knows that the song Smooth Up Inya is what, what blew you guys up. When you guys were writing that, did you did you yourself have a hunch that this song's going to put us on the map? Uh, no, not really? at all. Really? I, I wasn't really... Uh, I thought that... Uh, I Well, I wasn't sure. I can't remember exactly what I thought. I know I was worried about... Uh, uh, I was worried about it. You know, I wasn't sure if it was going to... Because I knew that they everybody else liked it, and I knew that, that they were going to put a big push on it. And so when the single first came out and it died, which a lot of people may not know, mm -hmm. um, we were in pretty serious trouble. And it looked like we were, I know Warner Brothers wanted us to stay in town. As I've said before, our manager was like, oh no, we can't do that. These guys won't even make it out of the gate right. if, you know, if they, we do that. So, and I can't remember the exact order of things, but when we did that video for Smooth Up, and it, it just blew up on MTV. Mm -hmm. That was actually the second release of Smooth Up. So, wow. yeah, it was resurrected. So you, wow, so you had to reintroduce it to MTV. And you told the story about how, you know, you guys were out on the road with uh, Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson playing to like 40 and 50 people. Then all of a sudden, kind of unbeknownst to you, there's lines out the door because this video has gone stratospheric and put you guys out there. And that was really a big surprise, obviously a pleasant surprise for the band. How did how did your life personally change when that when that happened? Well, there is a certain amount of weight that is released from your shoulders. I mean, because like I said, the, the whole time, I think the record came out in September and all the way up to December, um, which is, I think, when those gigs you were talking about happened, um, we were struggling. You know, mm -hmm. we basically demanded that Warner Brothers Warner Brothers put us out on the road and we we're on that tour like you said with a couple of my childhood heroes right so yeah. I was loving that <laughs> and especially to see Mick out there however old he was at the time when he still yeah. had his eyeliner on and he was wow. still looking to <laughs> do some lines and it was it was just amazing to see him um, but again we we weren't sure that we had uh you know a happy ending to all that so right. when uh, when things turned around it was like oh my god thank you you know mm -hmm. and then so the dates started getting better and the tour offers started coming in and so it it was it was great 
So was the first tour that you get you you uh, jumped on was that the Cinderella tour? Uh, certainly, that was the first big one. I'm I'm trying to think. Again, my memory is is not as good as it used to be, but I think we did a, a couple of dates with Ozzy. You know, we were doing not necessarily tours, but but jumping on dates with people. Right. Uh, before that happened, and then when the Cinderella tour came, we were we were quite pleased. Oh, that's awesome. I want to interject a viewer comment because I can't agree more with this. Uh, CJ McClellan says, always enjoyed Mix playing, very underrated for his time in the spotlight, in my opinion. I have to agree. You have a very uh, unique style, and that run you do at the end of the Smooth Up solo is, you have to teach me that sometime. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a player as well, and it's a, an amazing run. <laughs> okay, let, let me learn it first, and then... Uh... <laughs> Well, you know, your, your guys' style, you know, on Freak Show, it kind of changes. You guys start, you guys start bringing in a little bit more, um, um, some creativity on your songs and, and going off in some different directions. You know, the first album is kind of more of a straightforward, heavy rock album, kind of a party rock album. And then you guys kind of delve into some other, um, you know, the, the lyrics start kind of being a little bit more complicated and, and the songs, you know, the jams is you know, adding in different, you know, sounds and percussion and stuff like that. Was that something that you guys wanted to do from, from the get go? And then the producer just kind of let you guys go. Cause it's the same producer and all, all in all first of those three albums, you know? Well, certainly I was more comfortable in the studio with the guitar sound. I, I basically just went from that cleaner sort of, no gain uh first album tone and i just when they weren't looking i just cranked up the amp and and <laughs> right you can hear how tortured it is and I, I just love that but um the answer to your question is that it really was just a natural manifestation of us having been out on the road i think we we're out for not necessarily on the road for 386 days but Ooh. that was the amount of time that that we were out there actively working um so a lot of that is just just natural although uh, you guys may have heard the story i i sat down to do an interview with a guy who really loved our first record i mean he just raved about it and gave us great reviews and everything and when we sat down for the the interview about the second record i i thought i could see a tear in his eye because mm. he looked at me and he said mick what did you guys do what did you do <laughs> The first record, it was just happy and fun, and it was joyous. And the second record is so miserable, and you guys sound like you're pissed, and you sound hateful and angry. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that it was going to come off that way to you. But, you know, that's it just was a natural progression. And, yeah, we wanted it to be a little meatier, a little heavier, a little angrier, I suppose. But think about it. That was the early 90s, and everything was changing. The landscape was changing. Music yeah. was getting a little bit less party and a little more. I love Hang On St. Christopher. It's a great, great song. Yeah. Something different. It's got a great, you know, drum groove to it. And, you know, of course, THC groove. You know, you guys, you know, came out. That was I think that was your first single on that album, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And uh, at this point, you could probably call it a grave mistake. Mm. Um, but at the time, and, and this reference is what you guys were talking about, at that time, there, everybody was coming out with ballads. Not everybody, but a lot mm. of bands were leading with ballads. And right. ballads seemed to be the, the, you know, the breadbasket yep. of the business at that time. So 
again, you know, our our reaction is to do the opposite, you know. So when people are coming out with all these ballads and making all kinds of uh, money, I suppose, um, our idea was to hit with THC, you know, yeah. which is, you know, first of all, caused a problem for Warner Brothers because you, you back then you couldn't really sing about that and they right. couldn't get it played. And the promotional people were, you know, flipping out. So uh, that's that's how we played the game, you know, for better or worse. I, I certainly uh, don't regret the decision, but in hindsight, we probably could have done something else. And, I, you know, to your other point about Hang on St. Christopher, I, um, I challenge anybody out there to listen to the original Tom Waits version and try to imagine how you would do that song because that was the right. challenge before us when ted played us that song i just I, I think i did something like this like oh my god what are we go what the hell is going on here <laughs> listen to that song it's, yeah. it's a great song but it's it's you know it takes some effort to reimagine it sure wow, wow. sure sure now your third album zaza i love that song mine um, oh wow it's an incredible song. I love it. And, and did you play on all the tracks on that album? Because wasn't that like a period where you were, were leaving, but the album wasn't finished yet, and then you went ahead and, and finished the record? Or did you go ahead and finish the record and do some dates after that? Or or was that the album that Mark was wanting to kind of sabotage and, and tell them to not release the record? Was that where well, all the problems started happening was on Zaza? Yeah, that's correct. We uh, we finished the record, um, but Ted was was largely absent at that point. At one mm. point, he didn't want a couple of the guys in the studio at all. Um, we we ended up moving to you know a, a couple of different studios to do things. So it, it was a bit a uh, bit tougher on everybody. Um, you know, there was a it was a very fractious time for the band, um, but we didn't really have that much trouble going out and doing some of the dates until we got to a show at the palace here in, in Hollywood. And that's where I just, after all the years, excuse me, of, of damage control mm -hmm. and, you know, succeeding in spite of certain people, um, that was where I said, okay, I I'm above this. I can't do this anymore. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to listen to somebody disparage bands from the stage and, and embarrass us right. again. Sure. I don't, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. So then I, I, I guess Jimmy felt the same way and, and uh, quit shortly after that. And obviously from there, you know, once you've said you're not working with guys anymore, you know, the, any sort of cohesiveness just dissipates. So we did a few more dates and, and, uh, I think at that point I cut my hair and yeah. they wow. didn't know who I was when I came in the dressing room. It was kind of funny. Yeah, that was um, what, 93, correct? 93, yeah. Yeah. So then we just decided to uh, depart ways and um, I, I rather foolishly let Mark and Lonnie take the, the name of the band. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, in my estimation, it would have been better to just dispense with it entirely yeah and you know move on which is what i thought was going to happen am i out and again that was a foolish uh naive way to look at it but i was thinking that everybody was just going to start new like i wanted to right and move on 
but unfortunately, you know, if you look at the Wikipedia page now, there's there's been 70 or 80 guys in this band. Wow. Now, you've been really gracious uh, in previous interviews to not just totally trash. And I don't want you to this is not a trash and bash session, but I am curious. Do you think the problems with the person with whom you're speaking about? Do you think those are largely ego driven? Was it driven by, was it just a lot of personality conflict? You know, you hear stories about Kevin Dubrow and how he, he trashed other bands in the press. And I know that did damage and you're talking about doing damage control. Do you think a lot of these problems that surfaced, was it just, was it just totally ego driven or do you think it was driven by something else? Uh, I would say something else. I think it's much deeper than that. Okay. Much darker than that. In my personal interactions, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, ego. Who can't deal with that, right? We've all right. got them, some sure. more than others. So, let's put it this way: I wish it were just an ego problem. Okay, okay, yeah. Enough said. And and you've completely washed your hands of it. I mean, you you have stated adamantly that you will never do anything with Bullet Boys again. I assume that is still your stance. Yeah. And it's sad because that's that, you know, that was my baby too. I mean, sure. right. I, I've written a couple of things and people have responded to it and said, dude, you sound so miserable out there. What, you know, why, how can you go out there and, and live a dream like that mm-hmm. and be miserable? Well, and, that, and that's it, why you, you, you kind of attempted a couple of times of some reunions with these guys. Cause it is, yeah, your baby, I'd love you, know? To, you know, in spite of everything, I love those guys. I have uh, uh, chemistry with them that I don't have with anybody else and I can play in a way that I really can't play even in the hot summers. Mm-hmm. It's just a different animal. And mm-hmm. I loved that, you know, and, and I loved being able to go back out. Keep in mind, when we first started, we, we'd only played a handful of shows. So when we went out on the road, um, I we weren't necessarily what I considered to be, a, a, you know, a super tight, experienced and road ready band. You know, mm-hmm. we were still learning how to play together and, and learning, you know, how the songs maybe even should have been done in the studio. You know, there are certainly things I would have done a lot differently in 1989 than I did in 1988, you know, by my playing having evolved, etc. So, yeah, it was really fun for me to get out and play these songs again with these guys. But um, unfortunately, it's just it's not going to happen meant again to be so. i understand yeah you know in 93 that was the same year when, when all that was going on that was the same year that that mark free kind of, you know announced that he was uh marcy free and i always wondered like did the rest of the bands in, in in king cobra did you have to answer a lot of questions over that was that something that people were coming to you like did you know all of this was going on you know something he felt before you know or did they just kind of leave you alone and let let Mark kind of answer those questions? Yeah, I did get a lot, but I, I did get that particular question. Like, did you notice anything with Mark? And and my honest answer is, yeah, there was something that that made him look uncomfortable. And I could never obviously, you know, pin it down to that back then. But uh, it, it was there was something that was very different about Mark and, and he felt, or at least looked to me like he was out of place. And, and by virtue of him, you know, splitting the band first, I would say that that was pretty accurate. And you, you have zero contact with Marcy at this point, I'm assuming. Uh, somebody said 
that he told them to tell to say hi okay. to me recently. So I've always been on great terms with Marcy, and cool. I, you know, I his voice is just to me almost the pinnacle you know of absolutely professionalism i mean there are there are shows out there where the sound is horrible and and it's just a mess and the band is loud and that guy is just spot on every yeah. freaking time it's amazing to me it's a gift so, for sure let's get a little yeah. bit of of a studio talk in so you you your studio is called red cake digital is that correct it is okay so I want to pick your brain for a second. Now, I'm assuming you've been doing this for years, and I'm sure you've learned a ton about the whole studio process. If, just just a what-if scenario, if if you, let's say, had the debut Bullet Boys Masters in your hands, what would you do a little bit differently, like mixing-wise? What what would you, obviously change the guitar tone, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I would pump up the guitars a bit more. I think the guitars are are kind of buried. I would, there'd be more overdubs. Okay. Um, as I've said before, when we were recording that record, Ted took a lot of time uh, to make sure that the the rhythm section was right. Um, a lot of rearranging of the songs, mm-hmm. and so by the time it came time, by the time we got to guitars or what I thought was going to be guitars. They were largely done. I mean, mm. th- there were punch-ins here and there, wow. but most of what you hear is is really basic tracks. Huh. In fact, there's there's uh, the solo section on F sharp nine. If you listen to it, mm-hmm. I'm kind of just guessing because <laughs> wow. I've never played it. Oh, so, wow. uh, um, so I would I would definitely do that. If you listen to, I put up some demos that we did with Garth Richardson. Okay. Um, they're they're easy to find. I think they're on my YouTube page, perhaps. Okay. okay. But that that gives you a, a better idea of what my approach would have been. I mean, there's some funky panning things going on and everything, but right. the tone is is raunchier. Cool. Um, there's you know the guitars are louder and yeah. there's more of them. So to me, when we I'll, I always tell a story when we went to the studio and all the 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 uh, label people were there and our families were there and this was supposed to be a joyous occasion listening to our first album right for the first time it's going to come out and i just stood in the back of the room and i was mortified i thought oh, oh my god this is bad. not going to be good yeah i mean it's just me though right i mean i, I just had a different idea of how sure. it was going to come out and i gave those guys in the mix they wouldn't let us in the mix so i gave them a some pretty lengthy notes none of which they even paid attention to. Mm. So there's parts on there that I literally had like a delay planned for it, like kind of a Brian May yeah. uh, tribute. Nothing. Uh. <laughs> just, the, just the basic notes. And I thought, oh, my God, I got screwed here. That wow. sucks. So there, yeah, I mean, but ultimately you go to in-stores and people are, you know, raving about the record and you're hearing it over and over and you're finally getting to play it on the road. Mm-hmm. And it, it all, you know, I came around basically. It was, right. you know, it wasn't like the record had to do anything. I, I just had to come to an understanding that um, it was, it was better for it yeah. because Ted, uh, Ted is a great producer and yeah. there are a lot of things that I would have done differently that definitely shouldn't have been done differently so is most of what you're doing nowadays in, in your studio is that where you're spending most of your time working on uh, recording other projects yeah it is in fact lately i've been jumping into mixing uh some old stuff i did in the 90s with uh 
you know jason hook and jeremy spencer yes. they mm -hmm. were in five finger for a while right. well yep. we we did a lot of a lot of cool stuff back in the uh god i don't know 95 96 maybe hmm. so i'm kind of diving back into that i did it on a little 12 track so now now that i can put it into pro tools and i can you, you know i've got one track where there's vocals and hand claps and, and right. tambourine or something all on one track so it's it's fun to kind of dissect that and and who knows maybe that'll come out someday i'm having fun looking at all the wavelengths behind you on that screen you, you've oh. got a project going right there yeah. i can tell yeah that's uh that's my little post rock uh, well, you know, idea. You know you're no stranger to like soundtracks and you know I don't know if that's something you are currently, you know, you do as of now writing songs for movies and things like that. I know that you had what two two songs uh, on movies for Transformers and of course um the Iron Eagle with a uh, King Cobra, and then you also you also did um, Wayne's World. Is that is that right with uh, Bullet Boys? Yeah. You did a, did a cover Sammy Hagar. Uh, was it? No, yeah, wait. the Montrose. He was in Montrose at the time. That's we right. did. Uh, oh man, Rock Candy or Can't or something Rock like that. Candy. Yeah, yeah. Did a version of that. I think we're in Hot Tub Time Machine, and there's wow. there's a few movies out with you know our songs buried somewhere in the back. How how does that feel? I mean. I would love to have at least one song, you know, currently on a radio, of course, but yet you get to go to a movie and then bam, your song comes on. What's that feeling like? And, and is that, you know, did you actually go to these movies and, and to watch them to just to hear your song? Uh, no, I, I, to be honest <laughs> with you, I, I've never seen Wayne's World and I've never seen Hot Tub Time Machine. And wow. I think there's another, I think mine is in a song called Airborne or a movie called Airborne. Yes. Oh, wow. I've never seen that either. So. I guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm uh, lazy about that. <laughs> I remember that when we went to see uh, Iron Eagle, and I, I was pretty excited. I thought, wow, this this could be really cool. Yeah. And then they started playing our song in the in the credits, and everybody got up and walked out. Oh, jeez. Okay, let's <laughs> not do that anymore. So we've talked about the hot summers, and you mentioned earlier you're kind of reminiscing about uh, talking about how you feel that you do some of your best writing you did some of your best writing and playing with the bullet boys do you ever envision yourself starting an entirely brand new project that's kind of more in the bullet boys vein um no but okay. i do envision a heavy fun blues thing i always imagined i'd like my last band will be a cool blues band where the, the songs are funny the guitars are raunchy right and it's just tradition tradition mixed with whimsy so i don't know when that's going to happen i i only got a couple of tracks started you know as a, as a sort of gestation point mm -hmm. but uh that's kind of what i envision going out on we'll see that's cool do you have players in mind for that project no 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 are you ready you bet. Let's do it. Show me that run, and then I'll I'll be ready. <laughs> you know, King Cobra. I always look back at King Cobra, and, and of course Johnny Rod went on and played with Wasp, and 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 of course David has done some some great things. A great player. You guys were basically a super group before you even knew you were a super group. I mean, very talented musicians, and and I never understood, you know, why. 
um, things fell apart between, I don't know, was it Carmine or was it maybe a situation you just wanted to move on your own? And, and, and if so, why did you want to move on your own? Was it, was it just kind of tailing off for you and you, and you wanted to start something different or were you guys just not getting seen eye to eye? Well, I'm, I don't like to think of myself as a quitter and I, I feel like I stayed in that situation much longer than was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't remember this, but, uh, Jimmy told me that in towards the very end, um, we had our rehearsal places down in, uh, where we ended up with, with bullet boys. And he reminded me that Carmine had taken off and, and done some dates with vanilla fudge. Mm. So Jimmy was coming in and playing on Carmine's kit and we were just like spending time, you know, just killing time wow. really. Mm. Um, which I had forgotten, but that is the essence of, of why I left because Carmine's interest had really waned to the point where he was searching for something, anything to get back on track, whether it was kiss songs or whether it was some deal with some, you know, lesser than label. So I could see the writing on the wall and, and I was presenting things that weren't really being, I guess, cared about. Mm. So I thought, well, the obvious move here is to split and start auditioning guys. Cause Mark and Lonnie had both said, man, this is our, this is our band. You know, we, we finally made it, you know, we finally got, we're playing with Carmine. This is great. Are there any demos with those guys? What's that? Are there any demo songs with those guys? Yeah. Uh Okay. I I haven't heard any King Cobra stuff with them. I think, uh, I think Kissing Kitty, because I brought Kissing Kitty to the band, and okay. I think we did a version of it. Um, that might be on the the net somewhere. But um, I think, you know, it was shortly after that that they, in fact, Dave, too. Dave was originally part of what was to become Bullet Boys. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't the only person, you know, to, to notice what was going on. Oh, did I lose you guys? Sorry. No, no we're here. We're, we're good. Okay, cool. You know, I, I've, I've listened to King Cobra with Paul Shorantino, and uh, he sounds great on it. And, and I always wonder, did they ever reach out to you to, to do any reunions with them? I'm going to plug this in. Um, let me see. Yeah, they they wanted to go to Sweden. I think there's a rock festival in Sweden that they yeah. ultimately ended up doing. But uh, I I wasn't able to go. The the numbers just didn't work out for me, and mm-hmm. I was uh, doing well at home. And and you know, like they say in rock and roll, hey man, it's it's not about the money; it's about the fun. Well, at some point, you know, <laughs> yeah. the fun has to the money has to be at least equal at to least, the fun. Yeah. yeah, it has to be similar at least. So, um, so I stayed away for that one, and. Uh, that uh that was it for me you know i had a chance to open up for the bullet boys in 93 and this was uh soon after you you were you already left and i believe it was uh tommy tommy on guitar oh yeah i think pitman or something like that Mm -hmm. uh he looked a lot like you and i i I was like but yeah i said that's not me (laughs) but uh we we got to open up for uh bullet boys and it was in missouri um 
Oh, Missouri, huh? Yeah. Right um, it was uh, the House of Rock where we used to go play. Oh, yeah. I, I think it might have been Joplin or something like that. Cool. But, yeah, I met I met those guys in there. And, then you know, would have been it would have been perfect if you were there because then it had been all the original members, you know. It, anytime uh, you open up for a, a, a great band and not all the original members are there, you're like, yeah, but this. It's always yeah. a but there, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. Well, but, you don't even look like you're old enough to have been in that club. Oh, are you sure you did oh, do something? Oh, yeah. That's such a sweet comment. <laughs> <laughs> so nice of you. Yeah, we're, we're old. It's okay, though. Well, so just we'll, we'll start wrapping stuff up with you. Tell me, what do you still hope to accomplish musically with your career before you call it a day? Well, I I really want to make sure some of the material that I've I've done in the past because I've again I get restless musically I'll I'll start something like the song that you see up here you know I'm kind of struggling with one of the parts that I really think is an important part of it so it's taken me a lot of time to get it done and I'm I'm notoriously slow at getting things finished so I'd love to go back and and at least finish some of the things that I've started uh, over the years and in the future I uh, I'm looking forward to doing something like you were talking about the cinematic approach and and that's what a lot of the post rock yeah. stuff that I listen to now it's it it's instrumental it's can be very repetitious and people when I'm playing it can say what the hell are you listening to but to me it's it's cathartic and it's yeah. it uh it resonates with me because it is cinematic you know and sure. it does sort of take you away and that's what I hope to achieve. Although, you know, what I do is a little different, more guitar. Like a lot of these guys, they'll just, you know, do the 16s on one string and right. I'm not going to do any of that. You know, I, I still want to play, but hopefully, huh. uh, hopefully I can find the time to get that out in the near future. Well, the, the beauty is you have your own studio and you can tinker anytime you want and just start stacking those layers. I love the studio. You know, playing live is, is a blast. It's fun, but there's something just beautiful about building the house from the ground up in the studio and adding those layers and watching it come to life. So that we, I'd be excited to hear you do something like that. That'd be amazing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. The studio is, it's a, it's a beauty in the beast. That's for sure. And it, it is funny how uh, I can spend all my time here. And then when there, a date comes up, I start to panic, right? Like, Oh my God, I got to take my guitar. I got to, I got to remember everything. I've got to fly. <laughs> I've got to get to the gig. I've got to, and right. it's just like from, from the minute I leave the house to the minute I get to the stage, it's just a nerve fest. Yes. And then as soon as I get on stage, it's like, Oh my God, why don't I do this more? Right. Yeah. It's definitely like a drug for yeah. sure. There's, there's one more viewer question. We'll start to wrap this up. John, Hacklin, I hope I'm saying that correct, says, is that Ableton on the screen behind you? Do you know what that means? Yes, it's Pro Tools, oh. not Ableton. Able, okay, Pro Tools. Okay, that answers that. <laughs> you know, it's amazing, you know, especially the genre that you guys were in in the, the 80s and um, even the early 90s. But, you know, not many have done what you've done. And that is basically get on a, a kick-ass band uh, did a soundtrack did you know did some amazing things with king cobra you play with some amazing musicians you know you're in hit prater you're in circus you know you guys were going on tour i play i believe you even played with kiss um mm -hmm. and then you go and jump on to a, another gig and blow the hell up with that gig <laughs> as well and and the only thing that comes close to 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 a, to something that 
someone who accomplished something like that where the guys when they left Vinnie Vincent and then they started slaughter you know that yeah. to yeah. me that's like the two things that was King Cobra into uh, um, Bullet Boys yeah. and then what slaughter became and and I believe that was like the only two bands back in that in those days that was able to accomplish something like that off. so that's a hell of a that's a feat some of us can't even get one and you got two <laughs> <laughs> Way to get yeah. So that's a, and I a, hope people don't misunderstand me when I, you know, I seem like I am disappointed in that because I'm not. When I when I sit back and I think about what I've done and and all the people that weren't able to accomplish that, I'm I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful for it. My problem is that I I don't I measure myself against Led Zeppelin. I measure sure. myself against the Rolling Stones and and bands that you know truly had it all together and kept it together yeah and fought fought through all the interband you know fractions and so i it's just a matter of of i guess i, I have to lower my expectations but it that's really hard to do because i yes. i grew up in that day and and those were my expectations my expectations were that we were going to succeed on a much larger level so of course it's a conundrum i suppose but yeah. um, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I sleep okay at night. You're able to perform on MTV. I believe it was a show called Mouth to Mouth. You did a couple of songs, a couple of your hits off your first album. Then you got to mm -hmm. sit down and do an interview. Had like one of those little phone things where people would call <laughs> in and they'd push a, <laughs> yeah. push a button and you guys would answer a question. I mean, that had been an amazing thing. Just going in, you're on MTV live. You know, all, all the kids back then were watching MTV. So that had been some, a thrill of a lifetime, of course, yeah. right there for but, you. You know, to his point, though, I, I think when you set the bar as high as, as you set it, it's because you're very passionate and driven about what you do. You know, some guys get into this business and they just get lazy. And, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of a pattern now of a lot of guys just kind of resting on the laurels of their past and they're not trying to create new music. And, you know, here you are creating new music with a new project and it just shows your drive and passion. I think it's good to set the bar high. I mean, why wouldn't you want to, you know, reach for the stars that that's what keeps you getting better all the time. Yeah. It's, it's hard enough to stay positive as it is. And I, you know, as, as I'm sure someone else has said, you don't, there's no gain in, in, planning for failure you know you plan sure. for success at, at every level and you have to have expectations you know in order to do that so uh that's what i would encourage you know i'd encourage people out there to to you know set your bar really high and yes. you know if if you get there set it higher again you know and, and if you don't you tried you know and ultimately at some point like i have i've you know i've come to grips with the fact that like you said i had a, a an amazing career yeah. that a lot of people would you know give anything for you bet. and uh, i'm very grateful and blessed and you know i'm very uh very happy to be able to talk to you guys certainly we're, yeah. we're blessed to talk to you as well let's put this up one more time you guys go pick this up the hotsummers.com it is a great album these guys put a lot of work into it and it shows sounds great we really dug what we heard and hope everybody will go out there and pick out a copy pick up a copy will you please stay in touch with us and let us know how we can help you promote your your stuff going forward uh we we want to be a, a platform and a voice for you guys to I was in 10th grade 9th grade well hell probably 8th grade with king, uh, king Cobra. <laughs> um but good stuff man and just loved everything that you've you've been able to accomplish and um 
you know, hopefully more success will come your way, man. Certainly. Thank you for well, your time, Mick you. Sueda. We appreciate you. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank Thanks, you. Bye. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Awesome. You know, he was talking about the Kiss songs, you know, uh, Gene, when I was hoping, they were hoping to get on Gene Simmons' records, you know, at that time, <clears throat> Gene was wanting to do some production and get them on their record label and um, but he had bit bigger, better plans, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. He's such a nice guy. Um, I understand what he's saying, you know? Yeah. People like you and me would have loved to have gotten to bullet boys level, but you know, when you get there, if you're not striving for higher and wanting more, that, that means you've gotten lazy. So, you know, props to him for setting that bar yeah, high. Really cool. I get it. Really nice guy. Thank you, Mick, for your time. Appreciate y'all being in here. We, uh, we came on a little bit, uh, little bit scattered but i think we we pulled it together i just started a new day job and it's it's uh it's been quite the uh quite the transition but i'm getting there so thank you you did a good job helping carry this oh i didn't carry nothing well you, you carried me i appreciate you let's uh let's put up the fan chat real quick thank you guys for participating tonight we appreciate y'all being here oh i said Packlin. i'll bet it's pacian john pacian you thanks for participating in the chat Leslie Allred, good to see you. Laura Bochette, saw Bullet Boys in Savannah, Georgia many moons ago. I bet they were great. Elizabeth is here. Hi, girl. Kevin Agee, Mick is such a wealth of knowledge. But Wow, it just scrolled off the dang screen. <laughs> oh, dang it. Oh, it's on here somewhere. Sorry, I lost your chat comment there. Who's who? who? Uh, Kevin Agee, I don't know if it's Agee or Agee. I don't know how to say his last name. Huh. It scrolled off my screen, so I missed the sure, comment. Sure, sure. I'm anyway, going thank back you. to try to look for it, and I don't, don't even see it. No, it's there. I appreciate you all being here tonight. Hi, Doug Weber. Good to see you. Um, want to remind you guys, you got my name right that time. Pacian. Pacian. John Pacian. Okay, cool. So, hey, like we told you at the start of the show, if anytime you want to see the show, uh, the replays, or watch it live, you can do that on YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, or if you like audio format, you can check it out on Spotify. Thank you for sending the stars, John. And if anybody else wants to send some, go right ahead. Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Shipment Photos. If you guys need some new band photos or photos for your business, go to shipmentphotos.com. Get a hold of Greg. He will hook you up with some good-looking shots. Thank you to Oki PC. If you guys have IT needs, call Dustin at 918-640-0892. DEB Concerts, you guys make sure you check out the DNB Processing Stage at, at the Roadhouse at Rocklahoma. It's going to be a great time out there. Do you need screen printing? If you do, go to Identity Merch and Todd will hook you up with some shirts. You can go to our official online store on our Facebook page. Get some shirts, a tank or a hoodie. He'll hook you up with that. Psychomo Filmworks, if you guys need a video done, he is your go-to. Email psychomo at gmail.com. Let's talk real quick. We only have one in the can right now, but we're working on more. Monday, June 26th at 7 p.m. Central, it's a discussion about all things podcast. And yeah, maybe maybe these guys aren't uh, platinum-selling artists, but we're going to get into some interesting discussion about the podcast business. So you guys will want to check that out for sure. Scott, what else you got? Anything? Uh, Norman, Norman Voss says, just came on. Darn, King Cobra was my number one band in the oh. 80s. Time to watch on YouTube. Right on, man. Terry Fleming says, thanks for another great episode. Thank you, Terry. Tulsa Music Stream, you're welcome. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, um, it was great. I'm glad. Um, he's, you know, 
way kinder than than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. And not that I've ever you know had any judge judgment on that. Just right. I always felt like he, um, you know, he was a little more conserved or, or like like more more of a serious guy. In which I think he is, but yeah, he, yeah. he was a lot, lot sweeter uh, of, yeah. of, of, of a, a, ser- a ser- sweet, serious guy. A sweet, ser- <laughs> yeah, I could tell by the dealings on the emails that he was going to be a, a, a very sweet and kind guy, and he was for sure. So we appreciate Mick for coming on. We're going to get back to work on getting some more guests lined up for you guys. Thank you for watching. We appreciate you all being here. Have a great night. We'll see you again Monday, June 26th for our interview with Clint Switzer and Chuck Shute. It's going to be a good one. Y'all have a great night. Thank you for watching. You guys take care. Bye-bye.